there's a reason why God gives you what he gave you. It's to help establish your purpose. And so we saw here that nothing, nothing in this verse, Genesis 1:26, points to man having anything to do with heaven. In fact, it all has to do with the earth. There's nothing that God originally intended man to do that had anything to do with heaven. And so Adam and Eve were not wandering around the garden looking for Jesus to come back and take them home. The garden was their home. They weren't waiting for Jesus to come back down across, save them from their sins. Obviously, at this point, man had not sinned. But when God set out the mandate, nothing in here says, I'm attaching heaven to your purpose. So if Adam and Eve were in heaven, they would have been outside of their purpose because their purpose was in the garden. Their purpose was on the earth to rule and control and dominate the earth. God's original intention for man has nothing to do with heaven. It has everything to do with the earth. And so, you know, like we've pointed out before, you know, man sins, man fails, man falls. And that's where we think heaven comes into play. Because in our minds, when something breaks, we don't like to fix it. We abandon it. That's what we do. When, when a marriage falls apart, we abandon it. When we don't want to be a dad or a mother anymore, we abandon it. When the job doesn't work out anymore, we abandon it. We leave and find what? Another one. Instead of trying to fix the thing. And God fixes stuff. He restores things. He, he doesn't, uh, he, he doesn't uh, uh, abandon it and say, okay, forget the whole earth plan. Let's all go to heaven. Because again, if man had never sinned, where would he be today? In the earth. He'd be right here. Why? Because that was God's purpose for him. There was nothing in the plan that said, one day you'll come back and be with me in heaven. This is really your home. This is really where you belong. I'm just going to put you down there for a time being. No, that wasn't the plan. And so God, being a restorer, says, I've got to find a way to fix man's authority in the earth. I've got to get man back in his original design that I created him for in the earth, not in heaven. Because when man sinned, he didn't lose access to heaven because he didn't have access to heaven in the first place. Adam and Eve weren't crying out and saying, oh, my gosh, we're not going to go to heaven now. No. And, and, and every decree that God gave out from there, the earth will be cursed. The earth will be cursed. You'll have to work for stuff now. Instead of the earth working for you, you'll have to work for it. Still nothing, still not communicating anything that I'm not allowing you in heaven anymore. So God didn't change the plan. The plan didn't backfire on God and say, great, now I can't, you know, let's just get them saved and get them to heaven. Which is what 90% of Christians believe. That the reason why Jesus came was so I could get saved and go to heaven. And we completely bypass our life on earth. We completely bypass we're still in the earth and we still have a purpose in the earth. So if man didn't lose heaven when he sinned, then Jesus didn't come to give heaven back to man. Not in the way that we think of it. Now, yes, if you accept Jesus into your heart, if you are saved, born again. Yes, when you die, when, you're, when your physical body uh, 
does not continue to operate in this earth anymore, your spirit will leave this body and be one with him. Yes, that's true. You will be in heaven. But I'm, what I'm trying to help us understand is that there is more to life than waiting for heaven. There's more to life than just doing good things and trying to be the best person I can. So one day when I die, I'll get to be with him. There's more to it. So Jesus shows up on the scene and all he talks about is not heaven. He doesn't preach about heaven. He doesn't talk about heaven. He preaches about something else. In fact, he preached this message, he preached this topic so much that people began to literally look for a real kingdom. All that he talked about was the kingdom, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like a dragnet. The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. The kingdom of God is like a lost coin. The kingdom of God is like a, a lost pearl of great price. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. The first words that he ever preaches, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, he comes out and he says, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. At hand means near you, within reach. And from that point on, that's all he talks about. In fact, I had someone tell me this, and I haven't studied it out for myself, so don't take it as, you know, biblical truth and, you know, give me a second to look at it. But I had someone tell me this past week that anytime Jesus initiated the conversation, that means he started it. Not he was answering somebody or, you know, somebody brought up a question and then he was, uh, you know, bringing a debate to it. He, anytime Jesus initiated the conversation, it always was about the kingdom. Last week we saw that the only time Jesus talked about being born again, being born again, which is like the foundation of the Christian belief. You've got to be born Again, he only talked about that one time with a man in the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning. Nicodemus comes to him and he initiates the conversation. And Jesus responds with, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you are born again, unless one is born again. In water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus always talked about heaven in the sense of this is a place that I'm bringing, not a place that I'm going. And so this is the shift in the mentality that we've got to look at. So here in Matthew chapter 6, we've seen this passage before. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it says, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father, in where? Heaven, how would be your name? So God is in heaven. He's the Father. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what is he saying? He's saying in heaven is the Father, the kingdom is in heaven, and the Father is in heaven, and the Father's will is in heaven. But whatever's going on in heaven, I pray that it comes to the earth. Amen. Now Jesus is beginning to identify something. He's beginning to reveal that his kingdom of heaven is to be brought to 
the earth, is to be restored in the earth. Jesus did not come to die on a cross for your sins and take you to heaven. Jesus came to die on a cross for your sins to get you in the kingdom of heaven. He came to get you in a kingdom. Jesus came for one purpose and one person alone. That was to restore that which man lost in the garden, the kingdom. Because, see, when man sinned, when he obeyed the devil, he handed over that authority that God gave him. That dominion that God gave him. God gave man dominion. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And so when man sinned, when he obeyed the the sermon, he didn't condemn himself to hell. Going to hell, he condemned himself to hell on earth. He handed over his authority to the devil, and now the devil has control. Now the devil has authority. Now the devil has illegally taken over possession of the earth and is doing what he wants in the earth. And we see it all around us. I mean, all the stuff that we're seeing on the news, all the stuff that we hear about, all the diseases going around and all the wars that are taking place, all all the fighting, all the concern, all the worry, all the issues. It's hell breaking out on earth because of the God of this world. But Jesus came, died on the cross. Why? Because sin keeps you from being in the kingdom. You cannot operate in the kingdom of God with sin in your life. So he said, if I can get rid of the sin, I can get them back in the kingdom. Therefore, I can get them back in charge over the earth uh, once again, and they can have authority and rule on the earth. Has nothing to do with heaven. So go to Matthew chapter 16. We just read it. Jesus was less concerned with getting to heaven and more concerned with bringing heaven. Jesus was less concerned with getting to heaven and more concerned with bringing heaven. He wanted to see heaven. All the miracles, all the demonstrations, all the signs, all the wonders, all the healings that he did in his life, in his ministry, in three and a half years, was trying to give people a glimpse into what heaven looks like. Because hell brings leprosy and hell brings death and hell brings lame and deaf and blind, and mute. But let me show you what heaven looks like. In the middle of a storm that is strong enough to tear the boat apart and kill every person on the boat, he walks out on the water and commands the storm to be still. What's he doing? Let me show you what heaven looks like. Let me show you what heaven looks like. Let me bring heaven to earth. He was demonstrating heaven. So Matthew chapter 16, we'll skip the stuff ahead and look at verse 17. He says, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven, the father is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail Against it. You know, a lot of times as Christians, we have this picture in our minds that hell is attacking us, that we're on the defense, right? That, that hell, Satan's coming after us, and Satan's trying to beat us. And tri- no, it's the other way around. We're on the offense, hell, and Satan is on the defense. We are tearing down hell by bringing heaven 
He says the gates of hell will not prevail. That means they won't stand. They won't last against our attack. That's the real church. The real church is not a church shut up in some church somewhere that, uh, you know, just has prayer meetings and just, you know, rebukes the devil all day long and, and, and says, you know, don't get me, don't touch me, can't hurt me. No, the real church is out advancing. The real church is out taking territory and taking ground for the kingdom of God. This earth that has been in control of the enemy is now ours to take and to possess as we bring heaven to earth. Your job, yeah, it probably looks like hell. Well, you're there to bring heaven. You're, here to, you're there to bring peace. You're there to bring love. You're there to bring hope. You're there to bring restoration. Not complain about all the stuff that's going on there. You're there to change it. Jesus didn't go anywhere without changing it. Jesus changed everything. Sitting out in the middle of a field with 5,000 plus people listening to him preach. And they're all starving. And man's mind thinks, hey, let's just go in town and buy some food. That's what his disciples say. Let's go in town and buy, let's buy everybody food. And he says, you know what, just bring me what you got. And let me bring heaven to earth and I'll multiply it. It's not a concern. It's not a concern. Because when you're doing the will of God, he takes care of you. When you're doing the will of God, he takes care of you. He'll make sure you've got more than enough. And did they have more than enough? Absolutely. They were taking home baskets full. I mean, imagine going from starving to having one small meal for one person. And that gets multiplied so much that you could, man, I can't even eat anymore. Just pack it up. Get it to go bag. All right? Jesus was always changing stuff. Verse 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Notice, once again, Jesus is talking about heaven. He's having a conversation. He is, he is talking to his disciples about heaven. And once again, he's talking about heaven in regards to what you bring, not a place you go. He doesn't say, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven so when you die, you can go to heaven and come be with me forever. He doesn't say that. He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That means you will bring heaven to earth. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That means you're bringing heaven to earth. These words bind and loose mean to allow or disallow. It means to give permission or to shut up. So whatever I bind or shut up or whatever I do not allow in the earth. See, nothing should be happening in the earth without the church's permission. That's our mandate. That's our mandate. That's why we're here. Nothing should be happening in this earth without the church's permission. What's this about? Keys denote access and keys denote authority. What's he saying? This verse right here is the restoration of Genesis 1.26 all over again. He's saying, I will give to my church, once again, that authority that God, my Father, gave to them in the garden. 
and they lost the authority. So I'm giving the authority back. I'm granting them access to the kingdom. Once again, not an access to be able to go, but an access to be able to bring. There's things in heaven that I need my body, my people, my church to access and bring down to the earth. Let your kingdom ring. Let your kingdom ring. And so we now as believers, his church, have the authority to operate in heaven on earth. We've got access to that once again. Go to Ephesians. This is what the Bible is all about. The Bible... See, there's just so much stuff that we've missed due to tradition. Tradition is just so dangerous. Tradition causes you to do things without even thinking about it. Gets you in a routine. And then you believe stuff without even thinking about it. And you accept things without even thinking about it. It's tradition. You know, we see this so much in our culture today, especially in our nation, because what you tolerate, you accept. And what you accept becomes normal. And what becomes normal becomes the culture. See, right now there is a very hard agenda in the United States against homosexuality. And look, for a while there, you know, churches were hard-pressed. No way, that's a sin. That's that's. That's not allowed in the kingdom. There's, there's no way. God wants to change that kind of person. Just like he wants to change you from being a liar. Just like he wants to change you from being a cheater. Just like he wants to change you from being, uh, you know, uh, someone that cheats around and sleeps around on your husband or your wife. Just, it's all the same. It's a sin to God. And now we're, we're seeing, and it, it's always people with large congregations and a lot of influence. They get asked these questions. I don't know why they don't come ask me the question. But it's always people with large influence that, wanna, that get asked the question, where does the church stand against homosexuality? And look, I, I'm all about love and I'm all about uh, forgiveness. And, and, and look, there are things, look, I, I could have I told my mom no when I was two years old and I did enough to send me to hell. Period. No one came into this world a believer. No one came into this world just and righteous. We're all sinners. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I thank God that there's forgiveness. I thank God that there's a, 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 a repentance, a true sorrowful repentance. Not sorrowful because you got caught, but sorrowful because you know you were wrong. That God wants to forgive you. God wants to change you. But when we call tolerance love, that's a dangerous place to be. When we call acceptance love, I mean, I use the example all the time. You've heard me say it a million times. If my son, he's three years old, you know, he, we're working on the look left and look right deal. Before you go in the, before you cross the street, look both ways. We've all heard it. 
Why are we looking both ways? Because there's things in the street that are dangerous and they can hurt you. So if you see a child, if I see my son running towards the highway about to cross the road and he's not going to look left or right. What are you going to do? Are you going to tolerate? Are you going to accept? You see someone heading towards danger and the only response is, man, you know, it's it's not my business to tell you what to do with your life. God loves you. So we see people heading towards danger. We see people doing things that are wrong. We see people doing living lives. And rather than confront, we tolerate. Rather than confront, we accept. I'm not confronting to be prideful and to say, I'm right, you're wrong. I'm confronting because you're heading towards something that will kill you. It's that simple. I hope all of you understand that. I hope that you understand you have a pastor that stands before you, that if I see you heading in the road and cars are coming, I'm going to tell you to get out of the road. I'm going to tell you to stop. I'm going to tell you to turn around and go the other way. I hope you understand that. What kind of pastor would I be? What kind of pastor would I be? Let me just take another level. What kind of Christian would I be if I see a brother falling in sin and I don't say anything? We've got to be careful of this tradition because... What we have accepted in the church is that we have no purpose in the earth other than just to try to do good stuff. And one day, on that glorious day, when Jesus comes back in the clouds and blows the trumpet, we're all going to get raptured up, caught away with him. We're just going to, we'll be able to get to be with him. You realize, you know, Paul had a conversation one time about going to heaven. He said, look, man, I'd love to be in heaven right now. Not going to lie. I'd like to be there. Because in heaven, there's no more sorrow. There's no more pain. There's no more hurting. But he said this statement. He said, but it's far better for me to be with you. What did he identify? Purpose. He said, there's no purpose for me in heaven. I could go to heaven and it could be nice and cushy and get away from people wanting to kill me and beat me up and stone me every time I preach the gospel and and get away from these people that reject what I say. And I go into one town and I preach and then somebody else comes in behind me and says, don't listen to that guy. He's crazy. It's what Paul dealt with. But he said, "I, I don't have a purpose in heaven. There's no reason for me to be there. There's nobody to minister to. I mean, when you go to heaven, you're not a light in darkness anymore. You're a light in light. (laughs) You're not salt anymore. There's nothing to preserve in heaven. But everything that Jesus spoke about our purpose, everything, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Well, what's that do? That gives me purpose in the earth. I've got something to do here. People that get concerned and distracted with heaven have lost their purpose for being in the earth and why we're here. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 says, And what is the exceedingly 
exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in where? Heavenly places. Where is Jesus today? Jesus is not in the earth today. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. And he goes on. In heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And that's where we want to be. We want to be in heaven. We want to be seated with the Father, far above all principality, power, might and dominion. You know, nothing can touch me. Nothing can hurt me. I wish I could just get out of the earth and go and be with heaven and just be above all that stuff. And none of it can can mess with me. But keep going. Look what it says. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. The church. The same church that Jesus said, I will give the keys of the kingdom of heaven, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. We are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Now, let me get the picture for you. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be in thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you believe God has a will? God has a desire, right? That's what a will is. It's a desire. It's a passion. It's something I want done. And God has a will. And God doesn't just have a will for heaven. He has a will for the earth. For this planet and for every person on this planet. What is that will? That all, that none would perish, but all would come to know him. All would be saved. His will is that his kingdom would once again be restored in the earth. That's his will. That's his intention. That's his desire. Now, let me ask you. In my body, what part of my body wills? What part of my body does purpose originate? Where does my purpose, where does the intention take place? It's in the head. I mean, if you want to go to the bathroom right now, it's in your head. I want to go to the bathroom. But can your head do it by itself? Can your head get up and walk over to the restroom right now? No. It requires a body to carry out the will of the Father. So when Jesus says... Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying there's a people that will carry out the will of God in the earth. My will that I have in heaven, I want it to be carried out in the earth. And I have placed my body in the earth to carry it out. Now, Jesus did this by himself when he was on the planet. Jesus did this by himself. In fact, look at John chapter 
5. John chapter 5. By the way, I didn't give you my title. I thought it was pretty cool. It's called Head, head in the Clouds. You've got to have your head in the clouds. So I want to explain that. Why do I want my head in the clouds? John chapter 5. Look at verse 17. Verse 17. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Skip on down to verse 30. How has Jesus been working? I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Jesus did nothing in the earth because he wanted to. Jesus did nothing in the earth because it was his idea. Everything Jesus did, he lived his life to carry out the will of the Father. The Father is where? In heaven. Jesus is where? On the earth. And he says, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what you want done up there, I want it done down here. And so I'm aligning my life to the will, the will, the will of my Father. Everything I do, I go to the Father and say, what do you want to do about this? And so he did that. He spent more time in prayer than he did with people's problems. We spend more time with people's problems than we do in prayer. And so by talking to his father, he did what? Learned what his will was. Well, my father doesn't want sickness in heaven, so he doesn't want sickness on the earth. My father doesn't want fear in heaven, so he doesn't want fear in the earth. And so he came, and everything he did was to eradicate things that didn't look like the will of the Father. And so he aligned his life and says, the only thing I want to do is what the, what the Father says. What is the Father telling me to do? What does the Father want done in this situation? What is the will of my Father? Now Jesus is not here anymore. So does that mean that the will of the Father no longer is carried out? No. Jesus left. He's the head, but he left his body in the earth. That's you and I. We are the body of Christ. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Colossians chapter 2. We are the body of Christ. So the head has the will. The head has the desire. The head has the intention. This is what I want done. And then the body performs the functions to carry out what the will is. So look at Colossians chapter 3. We've got to be like Jesus. Y'all know that verse, have the mind of Christ. You know, I used my mom used to always tell me to quote that verse, have the mind of Christ, you know, right before I was taking a test. You have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Before you go take this test, you have the mind of Christ. But it's actually deeper than that. That means the things Jesus thought about, I think about. Look, Jesus is our example, and how do we bring heaven to earth? He had his head in the clouds. 
He was thinking like heaven and operating on the earth. He was thinking like heaven and enacting heaven on the earth. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Look at verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Wow. That's a shift. Because what do we do? We get our minds set on things on the earth. And that's why nobody wants to be here. That's why nobody wants to remain in the earth and continue to fulfill their purpose. That's why we all just long for and and sing songs about going to heaven. Fly away, oh glory, oh Bela, oh when that day comes. We've got so many songs about heaven, we, we could sing until Jesus comes. And the more and more we sing them, the more and more we think Jesus is coming tomorrow. Because we have our eyes so set on going to heaven. We get our minds fixated on the mess around us. And rather than bring heaven to change the mess, we get tired of the mess and want to go to heaven. Because you're right, the mess isn't in heaven. But that's why heaven needs to be in the earth. It's not a matter of going there. It's a matter of bringing it. Set your mind on things above. Not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That means what Jesus did while he was on the earth is what we're supposed to do while we are on the earth. We've got to have this shift in our mentality we've got to change how we view heaven we have to change how we view the earth we have to change how we view our purpose and our life heaven is for real heaven is for real and the areas you're struggling in see some of us we're not experiencing heaven in our marriage we're not experiencing uh heaven in our job we're not experiencing heaven in our finances we're not experiencing heaven in our homes just look straight ahead Don't look at your wife. Don't look at your husband. (laughs) Right? There's days where it's not heaven on earth. There's days it's just the opposite. This day is from hell. This is the day from hell. This is hell on earth. Everything's falling apart. Nothing's going right. They're talking about me at work. Nobody cares about me. Nobody ever appreciates me. Nobody appreciates what I do. My husband doesn't even acknowledge me. I don't even know what love is anymore. My kids disobey. They do the exact opposite of what I It's all hell. And God's saying, I know. So bring heaven into the situation. Let me bring heaven To the mess. It's a mess down here. <laughs> it's a mess down here. Why? Because there's another God ruling and controlling. But Jesus said, I've placed the kingdom within you. That means the kingdom doesn't get in the earth until it gets in you. The kingdom has to go through you. We have to get it before the world gets it. You have to get it before your kids get it. You have to get it before your husband gets it. You have to get it before your wife gets it. You have to get it before your finances get it. You have to get it before your co-workers get it. You have to get it. You have to get it. You have to get it first. It starts with us. Heaven is for real. 
Heaven is for real. And look, I look forward to that day. Paul looked forward to that day. But ultimately, I've got another purpose that, I, that, that controls my life, that runs my life, that dominates. The, 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 the controlling factor in my life is, God, how can I bring heaven to this situation? How can I bring peace amongst all this anxiety? How can I bring love amongst all this hate? How can I be prosperous amongst all this lack and poverty? How how can I bring your power in the midst of something that seems powerless? I want to be like Jesus. I want to be more concerned with bringing heaven than I am getting to heaven. I believe the church should be less concerned with dying and going to heaven and be more concerned with dying to ourselves and bringing heaven to the earth. We have so many opportunities. It doesn't, and look, if it sounds like this great task, like how in the world am I supposed to bring heaven to earth? Look, you have so many opportunities day to day. Just go to Walmart. There's plenty of opportunities in Walmart. Walmart's full of opportunities to bring heaven to earth. Let's bring heaven to earth. Let's quit complaining about everything that's going on in the earth. And let's start changing it. Next time that person talks about you behind your back, walk in love. Bring heaven. Father, your will. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. He has a will, guys, but he can't do it without us. You notice your head can't operate without your body. This might sound weird to you, but God needs you. He couldn't part the Red Sea without a Moses. He couldn't take down Goliath without a David. He couldn't save mankind without Jesus. God has always been looking for a man that will be heaven-minded. From day one, he's been looking for that man. He created Adam to be heaven-minded and to bring heaven to earth. Heaven, uh, uh, Adam was in, uh, had the responsibility of making that garden look like heaven every day. He needs us. God needs us to carry out His will. He needs the body of Christ. He needs the church. To you, I will give the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Access to heaven. Father, I thank you today. I thank you this morning. That you have given us access to the greatest place. But Father, it's beyond just access to a place that we go. It's access to a place that we can bring. All that heaven has for us, all that heaven has in store for us, all of its resources, all of its power, all of its presence. Father, we want heaven on earth. And we don't have to come to church to get heaven on earth. We don't have to wait till Sunday to get heaven on earth. We can have heaven on earth on Monday morning when... Everybody in the office is going crazy. We can have heaven on earth when it's Thursday night and we're trying to get the kids 
ready for bed and for school the next day. We can have heaven on earth in the midst of our relationships. It's not something we have to wait for. You've given us access by your son, through your son. He died on the cross. He paid the price. Not just to get us to heaven, but to show us heaven. To give us access. Father, may we understand this further and deeper. May we have a greater revelation of what you want to do in our lives. May we have a greater revelation of how we can bring heaven to earth. Father, we're so thankful. Forgive us for taking it for granted. Forgive us for not holding the responsibility. Forgive us not being proper stewards. Father, open up our eyes and give us a revelation of what heaven of what heaven has in store for us. We thank you for this this morning in Jesus name. And all God's people said, Amen.